Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family owned and operated, a no pressure, laid back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorback, Chuck Barrett. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, Highly Questionable, also a two-time Dan Lemitard Show Suey winner and the <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback baseball and the Ladybacks. Razorback Nation, welcome in to episode 191 of the one and only Hog Talk podcast live from the Heinemann Services Studios. I'm your host, Kyle Sutherland, alongside Porter Hayes and the coach, Kevin Bohannon. We thank you, as always, for joining us. Hope you all had a great Mother's Day, and no matter where you're listening, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, please be sure and subscribe if you haven't already, and rate, review the pod let us know how we're doing. Help us get our name out there and reach more people. As always, we're brought to you by Bet Online. They have you covered on all the news, scores, and odds. Plus, the best part, it's free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% on your welcome bonus from your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Got another great show ahead for you. As always, some insight from Kevin on the baseball team who just won their eighth straight series. They have not lost a series in conference or non con all year. Softball, Comes into the SEC tournament this week as the number two seed. And in segment two, Porter talks with THV sports anchor, THV 11 sports anchor and SEC Network Plus softball analyst Dorian Kraft. And guys, I don't know about where y'all were at. I know Kevin up in central Arkansas was really nice. And Porter, I think it was too for you. But Saturday might have been the prettiest day of 2021. I know that it probably was down here in southwest Arkansas. I was outside all afternoon, got me – I actually got some crawfish on Friday night, had to go back and get more Saturday, and I spent the entire afternoon in my hammock. It's amazing what putting your phone down for maybe just an hour or two and just sitting outside and soaking in nature will do for you. But uh, it was a phenomenal weekend nonetheless. No doubt. We actually actually met Porter on the way to Fayetteville. We pulled off at Rudy's and met at the Love's gas station, and I got to hang out for a minute. I know he had to work working man's PhD, uh, but he was on his way back to Ozark and Hillbilly Nation, and we got to stop, stop there and chat for a minute. But, yeah, great atmosphere up in Fayetteville, really nice Saturday night underneath the lights at Baumwalker Stadium. That was the first time in 12 games that I had been to that the Razorbacks had lost. So we had to put the lucky socks on hold for a while. We redressed on Sunday, got the series win. Like you said, Kyle, eighth straight SEC series and 11th or 12th. I can't remember what it is on the season. Still number one in the nation. And Kevin Copps, more superlatives this weekend. Yep. Amazing time, you know, this weekend. Perfect weather. I mean, it sucked that, you know, the Razorbacks didn't get that win in game two, but they did get the series win. Big, big props to Courtney Dyfel, you know, getting to throw out the first pitch. And Kevin, I'm glad you was there to, to see it. Yeah, got, got to say hi to Coach Doffel on the way. She walked right past our seats. Uh, she she was really excited about that. Her son was with her out there as well. 
And hey, how about the strike that she threw? It was a perfect strike. Had a little little tail to it at the end, like a cutter. So I think she's been with Kevin Copps a little bit. What was she a, a pitcher? What what position did she play? Was catcher. She, catcher. That's right. Okay, I, I yeah, couldn't she remember. She's catcher. Yeah, and and hey, guys, y'all are talking about meeting or whatever, but I didn't see a picture online. So how was the proof of that? <laughs> Yeah, well, it was, we met at Love, so that's all you need well, to know. I, I was about to say, I, I guess I can't really talk. I met Porter. Uh, the only time Porter and I have actually ever met in person was this summer, uh, too. I was headed up to Bentonville for the weekend, and he was actually working in that area, too, and we got to hang out. I don't, I don't remember if it was Love's. I think it was Shell. So it's something about the Hawk no. Talk guys and meeting at gas stations. I don't know. Apparently, <laughs> I don't know, but – well, we'll get into some sports, uh, boo sports, as they say on Ruskin and Zach. Uh, is that show even about sports anymore or at all? I know that they I were strictly. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, I, I know that they were strictly pretty, or not strictly, but about three quarters just kind of rambling. And since that's what Ruskin had said when he was on the show a couple of months ago, that by the time that it gets to them, you've already had the morning rush. You've already had halftime. So it's just kind of like a kickback and relax, sit at the bar type of scene, whatever. And. Um, but yeah, they've had this boo sports thing going on lately. So I guess they're just pretty much a, uh, just a random talk radio about whatever now, but no, love those guys. Be sure catch them three to seven Monday, Wednesday, Monday through Friday. And then of course you can also catch, uh, all the other podcasts on the ESPN hit that line network, which we are proud to be a part of. So the sec start sec softball tournament begins Tuesday. So today as this is dropping at road stadium where Alabama plays and, Arkansas, as I mentioned earlier, they're the number two seed. Now, they will play the winner of Tennessee and Texas A&M on Thursday. Porter, you might know this a little bit more than me. I know that the games start at 12 that day, and each game is essentially about 30 minutes after each one concludes. So, assuming that these two games before Arkansas do not go into extra innings, that they're not insanely long, you got to think that the Razorbacks are probably going to be playing around 6, 7 p.m. on Thursday night. Yeah, it's going to be a good, good SDC series. I mean, they got to play the winner of the Texas A&M Tennessee game. And then if the winner of that game will more than likely get Alabama. So, you know, that's the team that beat them in the, in the home series other than Missouri. So, you know, they're going to be looking for some revenge. Uh, you know, they, they had a great last game against Missouri to really, uh, you know, clinch a share of the SEC title. We were kind of hoping that A&M would, you know, take one from Florida and two of the three games, they were, they were up by one run in the seventh inning and walk off home runs, both games. So I was really disappointed to see that because I really wanted to, you know, let them have it outright. But as I've said before, how fitting is it that, you know, the SEC, they're co-champions. <laughs> and, and Porter explain to him real quick, why Florida got the one seed and Arkansas got the two seed. Well, they have overall, I think it's percentage well, we record. Po- and, well, and I'll say too, Porter, I know you might know a lot of it, but if, if anybody has questions, we did post this on our Facebook and Twitter page at the Hog Talk. So there's a the full yeah. description of it there. Yeah, and I'm not too versed on how all that goes with tiebreakers and stuff, but I, we knew going into it that, you know, Florida was going to get the overall number one seed unless Florida lost. So, but, you know, you can't take anything away from them. They get to call themselves champs, whether it's co or whatever you know they fought hard all year you know they dropped a couple of games against missouri that i feel like they should have won but missouri just come with the bat the bats were hot that weekend so looking forward to see what they do with you know this target on their back you know it's kind of like the baseball series everybody's giving arkansas their best shot and you know they don't see it coming so they just 
it's working for a regional, hosting a regional, and hoping you get that top eight seed, just like in baseball, where you can host a super regional. And I'm kind of anxious to see who they get matched up with. And what they, I guess they announce the like the coach of the year, player of the year. That's right after the SEC. Because I know, didn't they do basketball before the SEC tournament? I feel like that they did like the basketball awards before the SEC tournament began, or maybe it was after. But I, I'm extremely, you know that. Coach Diefel's got to be the coach of the year. Like, there's, there's definitely no – if there's any code next to her name, uh, it's just going to be a complete abomination. And considering that Mary Half and I – don't, I don't know of the other eight players, but considering Mary Half and Braxton Burnside are in the top ten, they're, they're two of ten players for one of the player of the year awards, the national player of the year. You've got to expect that probably one of those two. I would maybe. I know that Burnside had a little bit of some struggles there in that final series, but what what she's done overall, breaking the record for home runs and all that, just uh, I don't think that there's any question. And you can call this a homer opinion if you want to, but I don't think that there's any question that Diefel is the undisputed SEC Coach of the Year, and Burnside is the is the undisputed SEC Player of the Year. Yeah, and, and when you go national, it, it was kind of crazy because we get lost. You know, you think that just the turnaround, and this is not a, a, a biased fandom pick, but you know, I was just informed today that you know the Clips and softball team in their first year of full season play went forty and five and had a nineteen and five record, and you know, so the Clips and coach might get national coach of the year and they got a girl over there valerie cagle she might she's in contention for that national player of the year so we'll have to see how all that plays out but definitely when it comes to the sec player of the year coach of the year you can't it'd be hard to give it to somebody you know that you got two girls in the top 10 for the national finalist award and we we just know coach Daffel's a lot but it's going to be interesting to see how all that all that other stuff plays out and the baseball team, we'll switch over into that real quick. They defeated Georgia in another weekend series, 2-1. to one. Uh, guy, oh, They won Friday, lost Saturday, then won on Sunday. Guys, I know that we were very nervous, mainly because Georgia's just one of those teams. They're one of two teams to defeat Vanderbilt uh, in a series this year. I think Florida was the other one. Plus, they just got a scrappy group. Scott, Scott Strickland does a great job with them. I know that they've battled some injuries. you got to tip your hat to true freshman Liam Sullivan from Friday night. He got thrown into the mix because their Friday ace, Ryan Webb, was pushed back to Sunday because of a lingering injury. Dude comes in, strikes out 11, and he had an immaculate inning, which uh, Troy Eklund and uh, Brett Dolan were very apologetic for completely missing that. They didn't even – talk about it until the <laughs> yeah. next uh the next inning kevin i'm sure you probably i'm sure y'all both probably noticed that uh they they definitely were very apologetic for the rest of the game but something that that's actually something kevin cops has not been able to do he's been very close he's been within one out i think twice of having an immaculate inning but has not done it and saturday again things didn't go our way and sunday they just did what they always do and that's they it came back from two three however many runs it is that this team has done so many times this year, due in large part to another pitching performance from Cops. He threw 111 pitches between our, for Friday and Sunday, and guys, his ERA and SEC play is .45, 65 strikeouts. He's walked eight. He leads the country with a .72 ERA, just one of two pitchers to be under one. 
And I mean, I know, Kevin, I know that you had uh, definitely expressed your concern for this series just because there was times this weekend where I don't want to say that it looked like we didn't want to be there, but we just looked lost. Didn't really look to, to, to seem like they knew really what was happening. And then, again, they just turned it around just like they always have and do and continue to do. Yeah, they look sloppy. And I hate using that word for number one team in the nation, but that's what it looked like. They were just – Balls getting past cutoff men and dribbling around. And especially being there Saturday, you could see because Georgia was making Sports Center top 10 plays, diving all over the field, making they stole the momentum. But, you know, going back to Friday, Liam Sullivan and this whole Georgia team is really young as a whole. And Chip Towers mentioned that the other day with all the juniors that they lost to the draft last year. But Liam Sullivan could be a class of 2021 kid, but he's 6'6, 235. That ran his fastball up to 95 and was pretty much striking. He had 11 strikeouts on the night with his fastball. Hides it really well, gets back, he cocks it back a little bit, then gets over the top, hides it. So it explodes late in the zone and it had kind of a rising action. If you looked at a lot of batters were swinging under the pitches. So he had a good night. You know, it just, he ran into Patrick Wicklander, who is number two in the SEC right now in ERA. And he is a bona fide ace. Uh, we mentioned during the broadcast the other night that you got Knight, Campbell, dot, 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 Wicklander. And it, he has proven that he is the ace. I was really surprised that they pulled Sullivan this quick. And I think we were talking about it. You yeah, know, like pitch count. count but, yeah. but it seemed like in a series like that, you know, they, they beat Bandy in a series and a game where – you know, you're just scrambling to get a pitcher to try to throw off and have your, hold off your ace for Sunday. You think that with a kid that really hasn't pitched that much and he might not pitch that much going forward, that they would have really, you know, put him out there as long as he was staying hot and not getting people on board and on base, that they'd have really kept him in there. So I was really surprised to see that they pulled him as early as they did. But like you are saying about how he was holding that ball, I just noticed just that little bit of – how he was able to hide that ball just to give them a different look where they couldn't see where the ball was coming from was really throwing him off. And that's a big boy. I mean, that dude was a big boy out there on the pitching mound. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, he's six foot six. And two years ago, he was 83, 86, maybe 87. And last year, I saw him. He was, he topped out at 90. He was 87, 89. So he's definitely got stronger. And Scott Strickland, he did everything he can to win that series. You got to tip your cap to him. Like I mentioned yesterday, he moved uh, Webb back to the Sunday start. He's their ace, and he showed it. Uh, they left him in a little bit longer than they should have. Left him in a pitch long. Uh, Matt Goodhart had a 460-foot home run to left center field, and Jalen Battles hit his first home run of SEC play. So we had gone three straight games without home runs until yesterday. We kind of broke it open a little bit. But Van Horn said in his conference call today or Swatters Club, and I can't remember which one, but They've got some things to work on. You need to shore up the defense. We've, we've dipped under 980 as a fielding percentage for the first time all year, really. Uh, need to shore up the third pitching spot. We, we can't keep going into a weekend on Sunday needing a win, especially, and getting three innings out of your starter. We just can't keep doing that and hoping that we can contend for a national title. Yeah, Kevin, kind of to sum up some of the things that y'all just talked about, Friday, it's a pretty much a given that Wiki's going to give you around six or seven innings in most cases. I know Friday night he went 5.2, Caden Monk came in, got the strike, was just in for that third of an inning. But 
Cops usually finishes it if he goes six or seven, and then you bring in Monk or another reliever to get you through the final third or two thirds innings. If he if he's not quite to that six or seven mark, obviously still talking about Wiki, but we're still trying to fill spots on Saturdays and Sundays, and you feel pretty good about what Peyton Paulette is doing overall. But relief pitching behind him has just really not been that reliable. We know that Sunday's been the main concern that, that we just continue to talk about. Caleb Bolden got the start over the typical Sunday guy in Lyle Lockhart. He was done after 2.1 innings. And I know it's extremely tough to have three. It's almost impossible to have three weekend pitchers that are lights out every single week. But as we get closer to the end of this, the season, it's extremely concerning to me. You guys, for the most part, you know, in Sunday games, mostly Leichhardt, they, they can't even make it out of the second or third inning. That's happened a lot, especially over the last month or so. It's strongly It was strongly rumored last week that Jackson Wiggins would get his first start of the season against the Bulldogs on, on that Sunday spot. Obviously, that did not happen. Kevin, is it time to just give it a shot? I know that Jackson hasn't really gotten a whole lot of time since all – actually, I don't – I don't really know that he's maybe had more than an inning since the Ole Miss series, but is it time to finally give the freshman phenom a, a chance on the mound to start? Yeah, April 18th was the last time he pitched, and he pitched two innings, got through it pretty unscathed, gave up a couple hits. But he's going to get the start on Tuesday night against Arkansas State. So they're going to see how he performs, less pressure situation. What you can expect from Jackson in a start is you, you won't see 97, 98. You, you may see it early on a pitch or two, but he'll probably work 92 to 94. That's going to create a little bit more run on his fastball. It'd be, he'll be able to keep it down in the zone a little bit more, I believe. Of course, he can still go to his changeup, but you may you probably see his slider as well. Um, it's a pitch he's been developing the last couple of years. I think they're going to give him three or four innings to see, you know, if he can do it. And then I think he'll be able to bounce back by Sunday on the Tennessee weekend. The the problem that you get in these situations is, and I was expecting him to start on Sunday. I I came home Saturday night thinking, and I told him before I left on Saturday, Hey Bubba, good luck tomorrow. Go get them one pitch at a time. That, That was always our motto. One pitch at a time. So, you know, when he didn't start, I was like, well, I can kind of see the thought process. You got somebody experienced, and then you would have Monk, Wiggins, Cops. That makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, it's time. You've got to get somebody established, and it's the middle of May. You know, we're, we're a month away from the real deal. And how much are they putting into this game against Arkansas State? I mean, I we've kind of lost this big, you know – hype up to, you know, they're playing Arkansas State and something in a big major sport. And, you know, you're talking about putting Wiggins in there. So is this kind of going to be a good test to see where he's at? Because, you know, you know Arkansas State's going to be coming into this game wanting to win. Yeah, they, they played really well of late. Um, they had won six of their last seven until they dropped their third game, uh, their second game of a doubleheader this past weekend. They started out really tough on the year. I believe they were 5-19 and 19 at one point. They'd given up 21 runs to Abilene Christian and then 20-something runs to another team. But uh, last week they lost to Ole Miss 15-12. and 15 to 12. Ole Miss was up big, but they came back. Liam Hicks is hitting 398 on the year for them. So they're, they're going to come in with the chip on their shoulder thinking, hey, we're not the little brother, kind of like UALR did a few years ago. I think it was 2018 they came in and beat them 17-7. to 7. I do think Arkansas will get some of their reserves, some reps, 
since they haven't played midweek games in a while. So you can expect to see Ethan Bates, uh, Charlie Welch, uh, Dylan Leach, Zach White, some of those guys that hadn't been in as much lately. You'll, you'll get to see them play and get some of our starters a little, little breather as they head down the stretch right here. Because these last two weekends, boys, you're playing against top six teams. Right now, D1Baseball.com has the SEC four in the top four. You got Arkansas, Vandy, Mississippi State, Tennessee. So you got a 1-4 matchup this weekend, then a, hopefully a 1-6 matchup at Baum Stadium to end the regular season. And like, well, and that, go, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, we face our former hitting coach and Tony Vitello and the Vols, and, and they're they're a really really good team this year. And, and Kevin, I'm going to tell you, man, I I said a couple of weeks ago that I'm not 100 bought into them. I'll be honest with you, I'm still not. I, I think that they're really good, but I'm I don't I don't think they're the number four team in the country. I, I think that Tony Vitello has done an incredible job. I know that they've got that series win over Florida. But I, I just don't know that they can hang with us for three games. I get it. It's on the road. And I might eat these words. Tony Vitalo. if there's any coach in the country or if there's a few coaches in the country that know how DVH manages, it is him. I just don't think that these guys can keep – I'm not sure that they're quite to that level yet that they can hang with us for, for three games. I, I just don't think – I think that they can get one, but I, I don't think that they can win the series against us. I just, I'm not sure that that team is there yet. We'll find out. I could be wrong. I've obviously been wrong before. I'm just not sold that they're the number four team in the country right now. I, I I can agree with you on that. I don't think I think they're playing with house money right now. And Blake Tidwell is one you'll see this weekend pitcher for Tennessee. He's going to be tough on us, but I, I, I'm there with you. They they've caught lightning in a bottle in Knoxville right now, and they're playing with house money. You, you see it as you get into a weekend. You start getting the bullpen. So if you see a 3-0, 3-1 game on Friday night like you've seen the last few weeks. And then Saturday, it may be a little bit high scoring. Hopefully, Peyton Paulette comes out and does his job. And then Sunday, I think you'll really start to see Arkansas, you know, sink their teeth in a little bit and, and throw the hammer down, put the foot on the throat and get a, get a series win. And possibly, you know, with that, if you take that series on the road, that's nine in a row, you haven't lost one all year that could lock up the number one overall national seed. Yeah. And, and another, you're going to another spot where they're opening up their stadium. A hundred percent. Yeah. hundred like percent. You know, yeah. you know, it seems like everybody wants to watch Arkansas. I would take that as a compliment. You know, they haven't yeah. done it all year. And, and have they not learned from the other two mistakes of South Carolina and LSU? Like, you know, you got to realize, Hey, you know, I don't think Miss, Ole Miss opened it up, but you know, they had Texas A&M size numbers there when it comes to their count opposed to how many fans, but, you know, I think Tennessee's really benefited for the fact that Manny's kind of hit a little slump. They're, they're, they got lost to uh, Georgia, and then, you know, Mississippi State got one taken away from them from uh, South Carolina, and, you know, it's kind of like nature of the beast. Somebody's got to, you know, whoever's got the least amount of wins is the top dog in the East right now. So I think they got what's coming for them this weekend. They're really going to get a true test. Arkansas plays – just as well on the road as they do at Bomb Stadium, if not better. It's kind of crazy to see them that way, but it seems like they get a little more juice. And I, again, I will say, I don't know, you know, these people opening up these stadiums, I think that gives Arkansas, you know, when you're the number one team in the nation, you're looking for any kind of motivation you can to get your team up. And I think that does it. Yeah, that's going to be, I, I was thinking about the 100% capacity and a couple of weeks ago, 
Hunter Juracek was on halftime, and and SmackDown asked the I think it was SmackDown or Phil, obviously because those are the two hosts. Asked the question. Uh, yeah, so it's got a yeah, process of elimination, right? I don't think Matty T asked that question, um, but so whenever he was on, they talked about whether they were going to open it up to a hundred percent. And if I'm not mistaken, I, I don't want to quote him and, and put words in his mouth, but I'm pretty sure he said they're not going to do it during the school year. Well, guys, if I'm yeah. not mistaken, regionals is not during the school year. So regionals and super regionals, technically that school is out by that point. So I, I don't know that. <laughs> well, I'm just, well I'm kind now of the, NC, the, the NCAA. Yeah, yeah the NCAA, NCAA will be that. that. Yeah. yeah, and they've already come out saying 50%. But no, Hunter Yurchek said they would keep increasing. Right. But he said, they're he not gonna go said he did Yes. You're right. Yeah. But right. so – but we only got what one home series left. Yes, against Florida, yep. and again, so, yeah, I mean, you're, you're you know you're not going to make a big dress just for one series left. No, and they no. did make a good point. I mean, what Henry Yurchek was saying is, you know, these people who have bought season tickets, you know, they're only guaranteed so many games, and they get to pick what games they go to. And they said so. It's not as fair for the people that have, you know, they pick these games to get to go to, and now the last series, you're going to open it up to everybody. And now these people who could have went to the game are missing out. So, I mean, it's a good move. He's not, you know, he's not falling in line. You know, he's setting the standard. He's wanting to do things his way. And I mean, it doesn't matter because you know what? 85%, 75% packed bombs, more impressive and more exciting than a hundred percent other stadiums. Oh yeah. And it looked yeah, pretty full. 66%. Yeah. 66% yeah. this past weekend. And what they, what they're doing guys is they're doing two, one, two. So me and my, me and my brother were sitting next to each other. And then there was one seat to the left of me that was open and one to the right of him. So it looks when you, especially you get on camera, you get the hog pen full and then you got the, the stadium pretty full. So it's, yeah, it, it's really, it gets really loud in there. You know, Christian Franklin came up the other night with the bases loaded in the seventh inning right there. We thought we were about to break through. Just didn't happen, but yeah, it got really loud, especially, when their reliever lefty came in, he hit Caden 0-2, hit him, got him on base, and then we got a couple other things happening. It started getting pretty rocking and rolling in there. Yeah, I, I know that during, like you guys said, I mean, even whether it's 85% or 60, 70, whatever, that, that stadium is going to be rocking and rolling. And I'm sure that they're probably going to – it looked to me that it was pretty – I mean, I wouldn't say it was full, but it was it was dang near close. I mean, it, it maybe it was just the TV, I don't know, but – it definitely uh, looked looked pretty packed to me, and so it's it's good to see people back out, you know, back to normalcy to an extent. I mean, hey, man, like we said, the vaccines out, the the cases are down. We're uh, we're 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 getting there. We're getting close, and you know, it's 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 going to be until we get, like until everybody's shaking hands again and hugging outside of people that you're really close to. It's probably going to be quite a while before we get to that stage, but at least we're getting out again it doesn't feel weird if you don't have a mask on in public i i still wear mine some in the grocery store and places where there's a bunch of people just kind of to be safe mainly for the other people's safety i mean i'm not necessarily worried about mine if i get if i get it while i choose to go out i get it whatever but um but no it's it's definitely nonetheless regardless it's still going to be rocking it bomb no matter what as it always is during the postseason we've been very blessed to continue to be able to host there but guys did you realize that the FCS national championship is this weekend? No. Yes. <laughs> and the, the, like, I, like, I'll, I'll say this. The only no. reason I did Saturday night, I had a, I had some snowbirds from South Dakota that were sitting behind me at, at Baum Stadium. 
Well, and we've got a couple of Arkansas connections on that team. Um, Pierre Scott, or, or is that is that his strong? Name? Strong, no, I don't. Pierre know Strong, was. yeah, yeah, Pierre Strong Jr. Uh, I posted something about it the other day, and here I am getting his last name. Man, we went an entire show without me getting somebody's name wrong or mispronouncing, and here we are about to hit, hit a break, and I, I mess it up. But, yeah, Pierre Strong, the Little Rock McClellan, which Little Rock McClellan is uh, no longer anymore, but was a stud running back for uh, them back in the day, is now the running back for South Dakota State. And, Kevin, they've also got their running backs coach was a former Arkans- or uh, Washtenaw Baptist coach, right, Josh something? John Johnson, yeah, he, he came, yeah, came from Arkadelphia and was at Washita Baptist. Coach J.R. Eldridge, who's now the Farmington head coach, uh, mentioned the other day that they had talked, and he's the running back coach up there at South Dakota State. So, yeah, congrats to those guys on winning the FCS national title, dude. And, and you know, we had this conversation about this time last year when the talk started picking up about whether or not the it was good for the FCS to have football in the spring, and I mean, like. I don't really feel that this was beneficial whatsoever because, as you would expect, March Madness got more coverage. But once March Madness was over, we hardly got anything. I mean, you still got the ESPN pluses. Um, now, I've got my stuff that I'd rather not say on air, my opinions about that. But I, I don't know. I just feel like that this was a complete wash. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm glad that the kids got to have a season. I was against the spring season as it is. Now, I understand that this case, you know, with everything that happened, that's just kind of the way that it worked this year. But I, I really I really hope that they don't continue. I don't think that they will. I think it's going to go back to just regular uh, fall play. But I'll say, guys, I'm kind of concerned. These kids are about to finish a season and what? Mm, two and a three half. Three months? Yeah, two and a half, three months. They pick right back up in the 110-degree heat. <sighs> I just, I get their eighteen to twenty-two year old kids, but I just I don't know. I, I don't I don't really understand it. But hey, man, they got to have a season, and uh, really that's what matters. And so, I will definitely. I hate Sam Houston State being a. Uh, I'm not a UCA alum. I spent most. I say that I I spent uh, most of my time. I, I pretty much took all my laps at UCA, and then took my victory lap at, at Little Rock. But love the UCA Bears, and I hated Sam Houston when I was at UCA. That was a really big rivalry. So I'm uh, I'm definitely going to go with South Dakota State on that one. So, but we're up against a break. Next up, Porter talks with Dorian Kraft from THV 11 and the SEC Network Plus. Stay with us. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Network. With American National, you get a dedicated agent who will help you make well-informed decisions about protecting your lifestyle. Call us today for a free review of your commercial, home, and auto policies, or to learn more about our customizable farm and ranch insurance. Let the Atkins Agency be your agency of choice. You can visit us on the web at theatkinsagency.com. Call us at 501-428-0877 or connect with us through Facebook. Go Hogs! Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. Tackle your to-do list without breaking your back or getting your hands dirty by calling Heinemann Services. Located in Northwest Arkansas, Heinemann Services is your premier company to get those projects done that you've been putting off. Whether small remodels, lawn care, carpentry, and much more, they take care of you in a timely manner with exceptional customer service. 
Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. Welcome back to episode 191 of the Hog Talk podcast. We now go to the Workman's Travel Center hotline, and we're proud to bring in the anchor at THV 11, Dorian Kraft. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, no problem. I've I just seen that, you know, you've been doing a lot of things with the, the softball and the basketball teams and kind of wanted to get someone's take on just what this amazing season that Arkansas has had, not just in softball and women's basketball, but it seems like every sport in general has done really good this year. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was talking to my mentor yesterday and she's um, a play-by-play out in the Pac-12. Uh, she worked for the Pac-12. She actually, her name's Kate Scott. She called uh, one of the Warriors games on radio recently. And I told her, you know, Fayetteville is really the hotbed of college talent right now. It's, you know, across the board, men's basketball, women's basketball, softball, soccer. It seems like Arkansas is really good at everything. And it's it's really nice to see a program in its entirety excel at everything. It's, it's fun to cover for sure. And I know it's fun for the fans, but you know, being a student athlete, I, uh, I am pretty far removed from that at this point in my life. But, you know, I remember how much fun it was being in that environment. And this is something that those, uh, you know, those athletes will look on and cherish for their entire lives. So before we really dive into the sports and stuff, for those who don't know you, you know, where was your journey started? And, and tell us about your life, where you played and, and what brought you to Arkansas? Oh, we could do a whole podcast episode on that. <laughs> I have lived a life. Um, you know, I, I grew up um, I'm from Kentucky originally. So if people look at my Twitter uh, bio and see that I'm still bitter about Duke, Kentucky 92, I am. It is one of my earliest um, college sports memories. Uh, I grew up outside of uh, Pittsburgh. And uh, the truth is, is I, you know, I grew up playing softball. I, I played about everything. My mom drew the line at hockey um, because she didn't want to get up for ice time. But I, I played a little bit of volleyball. I did swim. Uh, I did equestrian. Uh, but softball was, was what stuck. Um, and I always wanted to go to UK actually for school. Um, and I had a verbal offer from, um, Beth Pruitt was the coach at the time and they went like six and 24 in the sec back in, you know, 2003 and Mitch Barnhart came in and she got fired. Um, and so I lost my offer and they didn't bring someone in until months later, uh, for a time I was going to Penn state and that didn't work out. So I ended up at Virginia tech. Um, I was there from 2005 to 2008, uh, was part of that 2007 ACC championship team. Uh, so that was really fun, a really great experience, uh, even though it wasn't in initially where I saw myself going. Um, always wanted to be in sports broadcasting since I was nine. I used to watch SportsCenter every morning before school. Uh, the story I tell on interviews is I would sit down and I would watch because that was back when like they had the same hour over and over again. Yes. And my mom was in graduate school at the time. She went to Pitt um, and she would set an egg timer for me to go catch the bus. But if I hadn't watched my full hour sports center, I would purposefully miss the bus to school so that I could finish watching <laughs> sports center. And um, she would always be furious because she'd either have to come back or have someone take me to school. Um, but I, I've known I wanted to do this my entire life. Um, I graduated college. The market wasn't so great. I went into a normal PR job, was miserable. Um, I was in graduate school at the time and, you know, decided that I, I wanted to do this because I was going to regret it if I didn't. 
And I actually started while I was waitressing in graduate school, I started running a morning radio board in Baltimore, where I was living at the time. The guy doing the weekend radio show was a photographer at Fox 45 in Baltimore. I told him what I wanted. They snuck me in on the weekends to intern there. Um, and the sports director there knew the news director where I landed my first job at WHAG in Hagerstown. And so that's kind of how I broke into the business. Uh, really lucky, really fortunate. And I uh, went from there to Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, I was there for two and a half years. And then I landed here. I can honestly tell you, I never would have thought I would have ended up in Arkansas. Uh, I'm a Northern kid. I grew up in the North. Uh, my husband is a Northerner. He's actually Canadian. Uh, we had no intention of moving South. But it's been the best, the best decision that, uh, that I ever could have made. Uh, Little Rock has been great for me. The people have been fantastic and it has just been a career changing job. So that's a very long winded answer on how I ended up down here and getting to cover, uh, you know, the great programs at Arkansas and, and throughout the state. Yeah, I noticed, you know, here recently they're starting to do a lot of these cross in-state mm -hmm. games. And I think that's big. You know, we're out of that old school mentality of you, the U of A is so much bigger and better than all the other schools. And it was, I remember a shot we got when Arkansas played UCA and Conway and just the fans that were out in the berm out there, just, I mean, that's probably the biggest crowd they've ever seen at UCA, but what does that mean moving forward that, you know, in all sports, not just the football, that women's basketball, soccer, softball, they're all baseball. They're all starting to play these interstate teams. You know, I don't, I don't think it's just the fact that they're willing to play them. I think it's the fact that Arkansas has been willing to go to them because I think that's a big part of it, too. It's not just you come to us, we're the Mecca up in Fayetteville. It's we're willing to meet you on, you know, on your turf, on your field. Um, and I just think it, it shows a willingness to cooperate. I know Mike Neighbors has been very vocal about how important he thinks it is because of the depth of talent here in the state uh, in women's basketball you know, I think it's, it was a great decision by Hunter Juracek. It, it surprised me when I got here because I didn't realize that that was the policy from Arkansas. And I'd never seen that anywhere else I worked when I worked in Lexington. You know, uh, Kentucky would play EKU and things, uh, Moorhead State in, in basketball often. So I, I wasn't aware that was a thing. But I really like it. I think that it's in this, you know, sports is growing. There's so much parity now across the board. It's not just the big, you know, power five schools that are good. You know, you have I'm hesitant to say mid-major because things are changing so rapidly, but there's just across the board, there's so much talent. And I think it's great to really put that on display. And I'm a big believer in, you know, rising tides lift all ships. It's good for everyone. It's good exposure for the smaller programs. You know, it's, I understand that, you know, Arkansas is kind of in a no win situation because you're supposed to win those games, but if you're supposed to win those games, then do it, you know, in, in Little Rock, you know, the very first time they played, they beat, you know, the Diamond Hogs up there back in, in 2018, it was, it seems like so much longer now. Um, yeah. But, you know, did Arkansas went to Omaha that year. It hasn't hurt them at all. So I think, you know, I just think it's great for everyone involved. Yeah. And I think the biggest deal was the gap in between, because, you know, Arkansas State played mm -hmm. UA and in, in the NIT, WNIT mm -hmm. and won. And they made such a big deal about it because they didn't play every year. And I think once, you play all the time and coach neighbors have even said, Hey, we're going to lose one of these games, you mm -hmm. know, but you're playing every year. So it's not really going to be that big of a deal where a certain fan base can have bragging rights for the next five years. You know, it's, Hey, we'll yeah. get you next time. Yeah. I, I'm really looking forward to that Arkansas A-State football game in war Memorial. Though. That is going to be a scene for sure. And I think, I think both, I know, 
I, I say Arkansas State fans just because I see it on my Twitter and they're like, it's too late. You know, we don't care as much. But I think when that day comes, I think it's going to be a good day for, for both fan bases, regardless of the outcome of that game. Yeah, I, I think – I mean, I've been preaching it for years. I mean, even if it's just a two-, three-game series, you mm-hmm. know, you're, you're bringing – and with War Memorial Stadium and the fate of you don't know what's going to happen with that, you're, you're going to try to get – that would be a sellout. And I guarantee you today tickets go on sale. It's going to be sold out, and there's going to be people waiting in line. And there's also been talk about, you know, having a perfect weekend between like the Salt Bowl – and then, you know, having the A-State Arkansas game, you know, back to back. And I think doing a big affair about that would be really cool to really maximize the potential, not only of War Memorial Stadium, but to get the fans involved. Yeah, I hadn't heard that, but that's a great idea. The first thing in my mind, I'm like, oh, God, that's a nightmare to figure out planning for coverage. <laughs> yeah. But from a fan perspective, I, that's that's about as good of an outcome as you can as you can get. That's a great day of football for sure. So let's jump into the softball team and, you know, I covered them last year and coming into this season with COVID and everything, you knew they were going to be good. But I mean, outside of what you've heard Courtney Dyfel say in the team, you know, nobody knew that they would just be this special. And I think what happened last year had a lot to do with just how special this team is this year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, um, you know, it, it's been hard to predict for everybody um, this year coming off the the COVID season. Um I can't say enough good things about what Courtney Dyfel has built in Fayetteville. Um, you know, I try to tell everyone in the news, I'm like, listen, y'all don't understand. Like when I was getting recruited, I didn't even know Arkansas had a program. Like that's how bad they were at the time. Mm. You know, they started in 97. Um, but this season has just been, you know, it's special. It takes a special group. And that's, that's a cliche saying, but softball is a long season. You've got a big roster. There's a lot of personalities. Everyone has got to be, bought in and locked in in the best of circumstances and we all know that this this half covid season hasn't been the best of circumstances because you have to worry about uh the positive testing and the no contacts and all the other stuff that's just extra on top and you know what they've been able to do this year uh you know before we hopped on here i was just listening to mary half's interview on uh rally cap and you know, she's a big part of their success braxton burnside i think um you know outside of the pitching staff is really what makes this team go. And it's not just, you know, her power numbers, which is what mostly gets talked about with her is her competitive nature. That year that she sat out when she transferred from Missouri, you know, she never took a day off. Courtney Dyfel said she's been so competitive. She was competing at shortstop, even though she knew she couldn't play. And I think she's really been a driving force behind this, having to sit out almost two full years because of the transfer, because of COVID now finally getting this opportunity as a super senior, as we've been calling them in the sixth year. And I don't think anyone wants to let this extra potential go to waste. And it's just been a huge motivating factor to finally get over that hump in the SEC and, and get it done. I think the biggest hurdle too, and, and I've had Coach Dyfel on, and we were talking about the similarities between her program and, and Mike Neighbors' program, where they started to where they're at in their success. And, you know, once they get these kids on campus and they get just one or two to buy in, it really has set the foundation. But what I wanted to bring up was, you know, these in-state kids, like, you know, you said when you were recruited, you didn't even know Arkansas had a program. These in-state kids go outside now with the transfer portal. Now they're given a chance to come back and they're getting them to come back to Arkansas. And now they have a chance to really start really recruiting these in-state kids and buying in from the get-go. We're seeing a lot of it in women's basketball with Wolfenbarger and Eaton. Mm-hmm. 
So I think that's going to be a big help moving forward, with, especially with the transfer portal. Yeah, I agree. You know, Hannah Gamble, I think, is the best example of that. I think she was. I don't have the numbers directly here in front of me, but she was in the, the top 50 in the hot softball in her recruiting class, you know, from uh, from BB. And that's that's a home state get for Courtney Dyfel. Um, It's funny. I was actually watching uh, I'm in the middle of cutting a new analyst reel for softball. Um, <laughs> But I was watching one of the old games that I called uh, between Kentucky and South Carolina back in 2018. And Aaron Rethlake, one of Kentucky's pitchers, was from Bald Knob. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that. And I would think, you know, given the success they've had over the last few seasons, they may not be losing those kids to other SEC programs. Courtney Dyfel may be able to have a little bit more retention. But you're right, the transfer portal and the way, you know, Coach Mosselman, we all know, is the expert at, at the way that uh, the transfer portal works. But it's changed the landscape of schools and to get those kids to come back um, and then to be able to keep them in state, you know, there's a lot of untapped talent in Arkansas, I believe across the board in all sports, um, you know, softball, especially, but yeah, it's, it's, it's great for her to be able to keep those home state recruits. And then if she can get one or two through the transfer portal, I don't see why this season would ever be a one-off in terms of the success that they're building. And with the emergence of the SEC network, SEC Plus, now we're really seeing, especially with the, the COVID and the, the streaming has really blown up. It's kind of a two-part question. Like, what has it done for, you know, anchors like you who want to get into the play-by-play -play business and really, you know, dip your toes in the water and give you that chance? And also, what do you think it does for those smaller schools? They're not the OUs and the Alabamas, the Florida, or out in the West Coast, the UCLA that now all these games are getting put on TV. They don't have to get out, go out of state to get that exposure. I'll answer the second part of that first. Uh, you know, I think it's huge. You know, kids, kids like what they can see, you know, and for years it's been, they've only seen the top tier programs because those are the ones that get the most coverage. But now, you know, being able to be streamed on these platforms and we all know, I think that's the way that, you know, broadcasting is going. Everything is going to be streamed eventually. Um, it's just, it's exposure. Exposure is priceless. And that can, you know, lead you into the, you know, the, the NIL conversation, which I don't even want to wade into because there's so <laughs> much there and that's going to, that's going to change everything that we know again. So everything is going to shift over the next couple of years, but having these streaming platforms has really changed everything. Um, I was talking to uh, Steve East of central Arkansas after I called that game uh, back on March 9th and he told me at the time that part of that deal for them to move to the a sun was everything has to be on a ESPN plus platform. So, I mean, that is part of the deal now moving forward with these schools and the more kids can see those schools, you know, the more attractive they look, the, you know, the more likely kids are going to come. You don't have to go out and try as hard necessarily. You know, you get a kid watch a game and be like, Oh, like, I like how they look. I like that coach. I like whatever I, I look like I fit into their system. I could see myself there. And it's just, it's a great recruiting tool for these schools. Um, and then back to the first part of that question for me, you know, it's been a game changer. Um, I've been in this industry for eight years now, I guess. <laughs> um, it doesn't seem that long for sure. Um, and actually with the rise of the streaming, it's given me a new avenue in my career. Um, I'm coming to the end of my contract at THB 11. Um, and it very well may be that play-by-play -play and analyst work is, is the route that I see myself going. Um, you know, I, I have the, the studio experience. I have the athlete playing experience. And I had these schools and programs allowing me to kind of cut my teeth um, 
in play-by-play and analyst work for them has been invaluable um, because there's really no blueprint for how, how to go and they need talent and they're willing to take a chance. I'll, you know, I'll be forever grateful to Little Rock. Uh, they are the ones that first approached me about doing work for them. And it has just been a completely eye-opening experience. And I think it's made me a better broadcaster um, all the way around. And so I think it's, it's, you're going to see a lot of people get into this. And, and for my part, I hope it's females, you know, we're women in play by play and analyst work. Uh, I would love to see more people go into that field. Um, you know, I just, I think there's such a great opportunity there. Yeah. And, and we've had Alyssa Orange and Tara Talmadge on and just, I'm the women's analyst here. And I've really, that's my what I've really tried to do in the last two and a half years is do a lot to bring more awareness to women's sports, because, I mean, you look at all the programs we've named and the ones we have in the stock or the track and field, you know, volleyball, any women's tennis, all these schools getting to go to the national tournament. And then it returns into the play by play and, and the TV, you know, podcast. I mean, it's really been a male dominant field and, it's awesome to see people like you and Alyssa, all these, these pioneers really kind of paving the way and you see them move up and like Alyssa, you know, she started just doing little, you know, the, uh, what was it in between the breaks? She was doing some kind of news alert in between the breaks. And now she's, you know, producer of Northwest Arkansas. So it was really awesome to see, you know, what more women are getting that chance. And I think with the times of changing, you know, people are standing up, women are standing up saying, hey, we we want equality too. So I think that's a big, big plus, especially with more outlets being available, you know, more women will fill those roles. Yeah, I certainly hope so. And, you know, women can stand up as much as they want and say we're qualified. Uh, I think we're still in the age where I think men need to advocate for us as well. So I, I, I say thank you. <laughs> for that, because it always, it lends weight. It lends weight for, for men to say, Hey, you know, this woman is, is capable. Uh, I hope eventually we get to the, the day that we don't need that. Uh, but it's, a, you know, it's still a male heavy industry. It is uh, from top to bottom, but there are opportunities and they are growing. And the thing that I love the most about it is I feel like the landscape is changing with the, the more opportunities, because I know a lot of times it feels like if one woman succeeds, that means that you fail because it's felt like the industry is very small and there aren't a lot of opportunities. Stuff like this means that we can all succeed and we can all grow. And, you know, I, I only want the best, um, you know, I don't know Alyssa or Tara very well. I see them in passing, but you know, if they succeed, then we all succeed because it's proof that we're all capable of doing things on a, on a greater level. Yeah. And, and talk about, you know, coming up through the ranks, I mean, what were the struggles, you know, that you kind of felt and, and some that you didn't realize that was a struggle until afterwards that you're like, Hey, that wasn't right. You know I mean? How hard was it, you know, really coming up and, and setting your feet to where you're at right now? You know, I've, I've been very fortunate. Uh, I will say that I, you know, I landed at a place where to start my career, I was surrounded by other people who never questioned my ability to do my job. And they, taught me from the ground up. Cause when I got into a studio, I had no idea how to go shoot my own highlights. I had no idea how to go do anything. Um, and they were patient with me. Um, you know, the only time I've ever really run into anything is, uh, you know, I, at one point I had a boss that told me I needed to know my place and stay in my lane. Um, and I felt very diminished by that. And I'll be honest, it, it, it was a huge confidence hit for me. Um, it took me years to not internalize that and to realize that that had 
more to do with, you know, what he felt than it had to do with me. Um, I've been very lucky, but I've also, I know people's stories. I, I have friends that have not been as fortunate as I am. I'm thankful every day. The fact that I haven't really run into too many situations where it's been, um, you know, it's been difficult for me. Um, you know, the only thing I can really think of off, off the top of my head is I've, I was fat shamed on Twitter, um, you know, in the fall of 2019, Um, and that, you know, that kind of stuff, it it doesn't really impede the way that I do my job, but you know, it hurts, you know, I don't, uh, you know, I don't see anyone calling Hayden fat on Twitter, um, you know, because they don't like what he has to say about the Razorbacks. Um, so it's just, it's a different standard that we're held to. Um, but you know, I think at the end of the day, you just, you, you take confidence in the fact that you're here for a reason. None of us, their looks are a part of this job, but none of us got hired strictly because of how we look. We wouldn't be here if we couldn't do this job. Um, and that, that goes for women across the board. Um, you know, so I think at the end of the day, just take that to heart, know and be confident in yourself. I know, I know that those are like platitudes, but really like that's all that you can do because, you know, people on social media, you know, you know, they'll say anything that they want. Um, it comes with the territory, but you know, they don't, they don't really matter about who you are as a person. That's your, your, your person is, is better than, than, you know, your work. And that's, that's really kind of one of the things that I really, I stick true. And my husband's been, been great. You know, I'll come home and I'll be sad about something that someone said, or I'll, I'll have anxiety about something that I messed up. And he's like, it doesn't make you a bad person. Like, you know, you're human. Then you are, you are more than your job. Um, so <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing, you know, Ty Richardson's been doing this podcast, the, the uh, trusting the process. And what I get out of it is you see the people on the radio or on, on TV, you hear them on the radio, you don't really know their life. And it's almost I, I, I compare it to you get caught into a TV show and you have that character and you hate the character. You hate that. Like if you've seen that person on the street, you would hate them for the character that they portrayed and they don't know the person outside of, you know, the TV booth, a broadcast booth. And I've been fortunate to get to know some of these people. And I think that's where some of y'all get a bad rap is they just see what y'all do on air. It's kind of like a football team. They, they judge a team by what they do on the two hours on a Saturday and not what they do throughout the week to prepare. Yeah, I would absolutely. That's a, that's a fantastic equivalent. Um, you know, I, I've gone through some really tough stuff in my life. Uh, I've been pretty public, well, not pretty public, but I've been somewhat public about this. You know, last last summer I was diagnosed with anxiety and depression. It's something I should have dealt with years ago. Um, you know, I've really tried to be more vocal about talking about it and trying to reduce the stigma around it. But there, you know, and I say this because, you know, there are days where people that work, you know, a job where they're in an office, if they're having a day where they're feeling anxious or they're feeling depressed, you know, they might be able to keep that to themselves at their desk and kind of just compartmentalize for the day and do what they need to get through that day. Someone like you or I that has a job that's a little bit more public, like I have to find a way to deal with that, knowing that that day I could be seen on air by, you know, 400,000 people, I think is the last check when I looked at our DMA about how many people actually watch us uh, in that little rock, uh, Pine Bluff area. And it it can be really hard, um, sometimes trying to find a way to get through that. Um, 
and I know it's not just me, you know, that feeling has been rampant in a lot of people that work in this industry. I think sometimes because of the pressures they could put on us in terms of deadlines, I know, you know what I'm talking about with that. And then COVID this year is just exacerbated. I think that for everybody across the country. So final question, you know, moving forward. And, and if you were just speaking to young women wanting to do this job, wanting to get behind the mic and they're dealing with those issues that you said, you know, they're camera shy or they're afraid of speaking in public and make, you know, the fat shaming, what would you tell them to help encourage them to follow their dream? That what you love to do is more important than what any, anyone has to say about you. You know, if this is what you love and this is what you want to do, then find a way to do it. And don't be afraid to ask for help. If that's, you know, career advice, if that's for mental health, um, don't feel like you have to find a way to go it alone because this industry can be very lonely at times, but there are always people willing to help. All you need to do is ask. Well, Doran, thank you for coming on. I mean, and taking time away from your vacation in <laughs> South Carolina. So thank you so much for taking time being on and I'm sure we'll catch up another time. No problem. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate you. Yeah. Well, that will do it for episode 191 of the Hog Talk podcast. We'll catch you on the next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.